Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. You know, guys, we, we've talked about a lot of, of different things so far this weekend, and, and I want to keep digging in further still. And, and so far, we've been talking about, um, you know, how you really fit into God's picture, but not just you as a whole, but all of your different experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly. It, it really doesn't matter. God wants to use all of it. But let's kind of recap here and, and recenter ourselves on where we've gone so far as we continue on, our, our key passage from, from last night was Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And remember, I've said this before, for we are his workmanship. I love that phrase because it has to deal with the concept of skill. And what I love about all of this what I love about all this, for me personally, enjoying uh, carpentry and, and doing woodwork and everything like that, is every time I, I make something, every time I make something, once I finish it, there's a moment of satisfaction where I kind of step back and go like, yeah, all right, I'm really happy with that. I'm happy with how it came out. But then I put it in its place. So uh, to give you guys an example, the most recent thing that I made, I made a, a kitchen island for my wife and I, and I finished up the tabletop and I was really happy with it. I put it in place and for a few weeks we loved it. But after a few weeks went by, I started to notice all of these little imperfections, all these things I missed and was just thinking like, oh shoot, I should have caught that. I should have seen that. Like it's starting to warp a little bit and now it's not completely flat. And I just started to notice all of these things that I'm not happy with. But guys, what I love about this verse and what I love about who God is and how he's created us is he doesn't do that. There's not a moment after he's created you where he doubles back and goes, oh, I missed this. I should have made them more athletic. I should have made them smarter. I should have made them better looking. He, he has not made any mistakes with you. So that key point that we were trying to pull out of last night is that when we understand God's design, we need to realize that we are only going to see the incredible work God wants to do with us and through us if we can start by seeing why he wants us a part of the picture. And if we can't embrace that reality, then how we fit into the kingdom tapestry dies. That, that concept dies. There's nothing for us to continue talking about. And then this morning, we took it a step further and we started to not just look at who we are, but the things we've experienced, the situations that we've gone through, the relationships that we've had. And we kind of, we jet skied through the life of Joseph and the fact that we couldn't focus on one singular strand, but how God is weaving all of our experiences together. And that key passage was Ephesians 2, verses 17 through 22. And he came and preached peace to those who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, he is the thing holding it all together. 
in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So this morning we talked about that weaving, that God uses everything in our lives to create a wonderful masterpiece. And through our own images, he connects us all together through himself. And we kind of talked through that, that spiritual family tree. So we've got kind of our background here, but where we need to go tonight, I want you to think back a little bit to this morning, that skit uh, with the, the lanterns. People coming out of the darkness. And there's a theme throughout scripture. Remember that in the beginning, that fiat ex nihilo, God spoke light into existence. But that Hebrew, he spoke, he himself became light. He is the light of the world. So what we need to do this evening is we have to bring some things to light. We have to bring some things to the surface. John 3.20 for everyone who's, who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. Now guys, we have some work we need to do this evening. We need to expose some truths because as God is trying to weave this kingdom tapestry, as he is trying to use you and your story, you and your experiences to create this beautiful masterpiece, there is something that is threatening to destroy it all. There is something that is threatening to undo the work God is trying to do. And the thing that is threatening this beautiful masterpiece is sin. And the reality is, guys, is that sin unravels. It unweaves Sin is the one thing that threatens to unravel the tapestry God is weaving. That word unravel literally means to undo. It means to undo. And what we see, guys, is that sin works as this sickness that threatens God's design. It works as a sickness that threatens God's design. Now, this is something I always like to do, but I'm, I'm kind of a nerd in this way. But guys, I encourage you, if you ever read a passage in Scripture and you're wondering, why does it say it like that? Just start by defining the word because it brings so much clarity to a situation. This is the definition for a sickness. I want you to look at this. A disorder of structure or function in a human, animal, or plant, especially one that produces specific signs or symptoms or that affects a specific location and is not simply a direct result of physical injury. But I love that first phrase there. A disorder of structure or function so sin as a sickness is literally trying to bring chaos into what God has structured. Sin is bringing about chaos into what God has structured. It's bringing disorder. It's messing with its function. So when sin is present in our lives, we're not able to function in the way God has created us. This sickness hinders our ability to live and be all that God has called us to be. Now, you might be thinking, okay, so sin can, can mess me up, but how do I know if I have sin present in my life? Well, just like a sickness, there are symptoms to sin. And a symptom is a sign of the existence of something, especially of an undesirable situation. Now, guys, simply because of its length, 
this verse, this, this chapter is not going to be up on the screen, but I want to look at Psalm 38 together. And Psalm 38 is written by a guy by the name of King David. He's described as a, a man after God's own heart. And in Psalm 38, and for those of you who are students of the word, you love reading the Bible, I encourage you to check out the Psalms in its entirety. And there are all these different Psalms with different purposes. There are Psalms of Thanksgiving where they're very focused on worship. There are Psalms called Wedding Psalms. And they're literally about the concept of love and marriage. And then there are songs of lament or psalms of mourning. And this is one of those. But I want to look at this together. Psalm 38. Listen to how King David describes how he's feeling in this moment. He says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me. And your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. King David is describing this weighty chaos that's coming about in his life because of sin. Verse four, for my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bowed down and prostrate. He can't even look upon God's face. All the day I go about mourning for my sides are filled with burning and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. O Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs. My strength fails me. And the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. My friends and companions, they stand aloof from my plague and my nearest kin stand far off. And guys, what King David describes in this psalm is he describes this shame and conviction and weight and sorrow and feeling of defeat and burden and heaviness that he can't live on. Now, guys, I need you to hang with me here. I'm begging you, do not tune me out in this moment or you're going to miss the beauty of God and his grace. Because some of you, you've come here this weekend with some really cruddy experiences and situations that are beyond your control. It is beyond your control. But some of you have come here this weekend and you are carrying some weight because you know that you are living in a way that is not pleasing to God. You're carrying some weight of sin, some guilt, some grief. And I need you to hear me here. But right towards the end of that psalm, or at least the section I was reading, verse 11, my friends and companions stand aloof from my plague and my nearest kin stand far off. And what we're seeing here is that sickness spreads. Sin spreads. It spreads like gangrene. Guys, gangrene is this infection that gets in the bloodstream. 
usually because of lack of blood flow. And guys, I apologize if you're squeamish, but I'm trying to paint a picture for you here. But the way that gangrene works is it usually starts in your fingers or toes, starts in your hands or your feet. It starts, usually starts in your extremities. And that part of your body starts to turn black. And at that point, there's only one option. Cut it off. If you don't, that infection continues to spread up your arm or up your leg. And once it gets to your major organs, you're pretty much dead. But guys, this sickness of sin, it spreads like gangrene. It can start as something so small and so simple. But if you don't address it, if you don't allow the Lord to intervene, it will kill you. It will kill your relationships. It will kill your mental health. It will kill your hopes and dreams and goals for the future. Because sin threatens to unravel the beautiful tapestry that God is trying to create in your life. And just as sickness can spread through our own body, it can begin to spread throughout our entire life and overflow and impact the people around us. So it starts out as one simple lie, maybe to try and protect your reputation or make you look good can build up to the point where now people don't trust you and your friendships begin to dissolve. What starts out as one rumor that you, you gossip behind someone's back just to try and be accepted by a crowd turns into your closest friends abandoning you because you've betrayed them. What starts out as one night by yourself trying to find some fulfillment so you look up an inappropriate website one time, turns into you having a damaged view of healthy sex and marriage that impacts your future spouse and your future kids. And sin becomes a cancer that rips through your life and through your world and through our relationships and threatens to undo, to unravel all that God is trying to weave together. And what can happen is we can see this ripple effect, a spiritual unraveling, if you will. You think about that spiritual family tree I mentioned to you guys this morning. That 11th grade English teacher, Mrs. Shoffley, she presented the gospel to one of her students, David Adams, who started a ministry program at a college. And then Brian Frierkson, a mentor of mine, he went through that program and he poured into me and mentored me. And now I'm here to have an opportunity to share with you guys. But what if Mrs. Shoffley, what if she never presented that gospel because she allowed sin to overtake her life? What possible effects could that have had on that student, David Adams? What if he never came to know the Lord because of her? So he never goes on to start that ministry program. And because of that, Brian Ferguson, he, he never ends up there. He doesn't go to that school. He, doesn't, he never has the opportunity to go to that program. So he never has the opportunity to disciple me and mentor me and pour into me. Uh, guys, if I wasn't here, RVR is an incredible program. They have a, a, a fantastic group of people. They, they vet their, their speakers well. So I'm not going to say if I wasn't here, your weekend would be ruined. I'm sure you would have a great, fantastic time. But this hits closer to home for me. 
but what possible effects could I have on my kids? Elliot and Addison and my, my soon-to-be son, Oliver. What type of effect could that ripple effect, that unraveling, that sickness of sin can cause, what could that do to my marriage and, and my kids? And when I start to think about that, guys, it, it terrifies me. It absolutely terrifies me. So guys, you might have some gangrene on you right now. You might have some, some sickness, some sin that has been festering, that you've been trying to hide, you've been trying to tuck away, that you don't want anybody to see. But here is the beauty of the gospel. There is a treatment for this sickness. That the unraveling of sin, it is stopped dead in its tracks because of repentance and redemption. It is stopped dead in its tracks because of repentance and redemption. I want to talk about these two concepts with you guys for the remainder of our time. This word repentance, guys, it simply means a change in direction, a 180 degree turn. So I'm sorry, guys, that you're on this side of the room. You just you happen to get placed in the wrong side. So this direction is sin, is wickedness, is everything in my flesh that I want to do in my own strength. And then this direction is pursuit of the Lord, it's holiness. What repentance means is if I'm walking towards sin, if I'm walking towards the flesh, if I'm walking towards unrighteousness, repentance is making a 180 degree shift and change in direction and now I'm pursuing the Lord. It's to turn away from the things of the world and turn to the Lord. This is what we, the decision that we need to make in our own power. To recognize the fact that I am going in the wrong direction right now and I need to make a shift. I need to make a turn and start going the other direction. Acts 3.19, repent, therefore turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Make that twist, that shift, that 180 degree change in direction. Leave those sins behind you. That gangrene that's starting to spread, cut it off and begin pursuing the Lord. There was a, a, a theologian and, and scholar, he kind of reshaped how we see Christianity today. Name, his name's uh, Martin Luther. And this really important document he put out at the beginning of it, he said the Christian life should be a life marked by repentance. It should be a life marked by changing direction. Guys, that's the, that's the decision we need to make, is to repent, to turn. But the work we have to allow Jesus to do is redemption. And what redemption is, guys, it means to, to save, to redeem, to retrieve, to repossess, to reclaim, to rescue. And this is the work that we need to let the Lord do. Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. That's a, a, another word that's like sin, according to the riches of his grace. Guys, I need you to understand something. Scripture often uses the concept of father, that he is our heavenly father. And some of you, if this is your story, I'm sorry that this is your story. And I hope you know this was never God's intention. But if you do not have a loving earthly father that represents the heavenly father well, 
please know that was never God's design for you. But I need you to understand something. When it comes to this idea of repentance, we're so terrified to turn to the Lord. We're so terrified to say, God, I've screwed up. And it's usually because our idea of seeking forgiveness is influenced when we apologize to other people. And we're so terrified to turn to God because we're afraid we're going to be punished. We're afraid we're going to be chastised and yelled at. But I love this passage in Hebrews. It says that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. That once you repent, once you turn, the only thing that is waiting for you is a heavenly father with open arms. Guys, repentance is not a a concept we should be afraid of, but it's one we should embrace because when we refuse to repent, we're missing out on all God has for us. And what I love about that, that I don't even know what to describe it, that shadow video, is that towards the end of that story, kind of this God character, he's redeeming each and every one of these stories. He's rescuing each individual out of their situations. And some of those stories, like the first one, that kind of battleground, that young woman, she had no choice in that. She had no choice in who her mother and father were and and kind of that that tension and turmoil within her own household. And yet God redeems out of that situation. Then that second story, that girl marked by comparison. She may have sinned a few times, kind of got got, got caught up in pride, needing to succeed. And what does Jesus do? He redeems out of that situation that whatever the circumstance was, whatever the situation was, God redeemed. He rescued And what I love about this, what I love about this concept of redemption or rescuing is God not only redeems us as individuals, but he redeems or rescues our relationships with each other. So this sin, sickness, this gangrene that starts to unravel our lives and unravel relationships, Jesus can come in and rescue all of it, redeem all of it. And here's where we kind of land on our key passage, Ephesians 2, 13 through 16. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And guys, what I love about this passage, what it's saying is that what Jesus did is he took each and every one of us and he welcomed us into his family. He brought us all home. And you think back to that one video, that home is love, that we've been crafted with with two arms like a living room, right? That line in that video, that Jesus is reconciling us 
to himself. So here's kind of our key point for this evening, this concept of how this tapestry can be unraveled. If we allow sin to infect us and spread through our lives and relationships, it will slowly pull apart the design. But, but Jesus can restore all that has been undone. And I need you guys to understand something. That some of you may be thinking, what I've done is unforgivable. My sins, they're, they're too bad. My, the, the gangrene stead, it, it, it has spread too far. I'm, I'm already dead. There's no reason for Jesus to even try to rescue me. But guys, I need you to understand something. There is nothing greater than the power of Jesus's redeeming work on the cross. There is nothing bigger than that. Nothing greater than that. And what I love about this book of Ephesians is how Paul talks about the forgiving work of Jesus. And it's, it's not going to be up on the, the, the slide here, up on the screen. And I, I didn't really plan on talking about this, but guys, I just, I love this passage so much. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. That was up there earlier. Verse 8, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. And what I love about that verse, verse 8, you saw 1-7, we have redemption through his blood, but verse 8, which he lavished upon us. Guys, that word lavish, it means over the top. It means overflowing, out of control. So no matter how far you think you've gone away from God, his love goes further still. No matter how bad you think you've messed up, his grace is greater still. No matter how dead you might feel, the life he brings is more than enough. It is lavished over you. It is overflowing onto you. So when you think, no, 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 I'm too, I'm a lost cause. There's nothing left to redeem. My response to you is really, are you saying that you in your sin, you're bigger, badder than the creator God of the universe? who got hands-on in creating you and then got hands-on again to redeem you, to rescue you. And that love, that grace, it is overflowing over sin, overflowing over those regrets and grief and shame and guilt and those, those things that David was expressing, that weightiness, those burdens he redeems all of it and he stops the unraveling. He, he stops sin in its tracks. And not only does he stop it, he kills it. And he puts it to death so that we in Christ can have life. That life abundant I mentioned last night. 
So guys, here's what I want us to do. I want us to take a few moments in prayer together. And then we're going to go to our life groups, your small groups, and have conversation. And I want to challenge you with this. I want to challenge you by asking you, what do you know and what do you believe? Because there's a difference. When you believe something, it changes how you live. It, It changes how you act. So if I said to you, nobody's perfect, you might know that, but do you actually believe it? Because if you believed it, maybe you'd be a little more confident in confessing sin. If you truly believe that God could redeem any situation, maybe we wouldn't be so scared to share our problems and troubles with each other. We have to get beyond just knowing something and we have to make it a part of our DNA, make it a part of who we are so we can actually start to see change. And I really want to challenge you guys to push yourself in your groups, to open up. But let's take a little time to pray together before we head to our groups. Father God, I praise you. I thank you so much for the fact that your grace, the sacrifice you made for us on the cross, it goes so far beyond any sin, any mistake, anything we've ever said, thought, or done. Your love is bigger than it. And God, if there's anybody here that has never been redeemed, they've never been rescued, they've never looked at you and said, yes, God, I want you to save me. I want you to redeem me. I want to make that that decision to repent. I want to do the work I got to do. I want to turn away from my sin. But God, I want you to redeem me. If you've never made that decision, if you want to experience the love of God, the mercy of God, be welcome home tonight, would you just pray this, repeat this after me, just between you and God, not out loud, just between you and God. Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've walked away from you. And my sin it separates me from you. But I want to turn from my sin and I want to pursue you, God. I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that Jesus came to the earth and died on the cross for my sins and I want you to rescue me, to redeem me. Thank you, God, for saving me. Now with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time tonight, if that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, but if that's you, if you just repeated that back, you asked for that salvation for the first time tonight, would you just look up and make eye contact with me? I see you. Amen, I see you. Father, you are working in ways we cannot even imagine. You are 
always working when we can't, even when we can't see you, even when we, may not, even when we might not be able to feel you, you are always working. Father, for those of us who have already made the decision to follow you, but we've gone astray, would you remind us that we can never go too far? It is never too late to repent, to turn back. And we thank you again, Father, for that grace that is lavished, overflowing onto us. Now, Lord, as we go to our groups, give us boldness, confidence to share and help us to receive each other with gentleness, as it says in your word. We love you, God. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.